The U.S. has announced the dates of its United Nations ambassador's visit to Taiwan. Ambassador Kelly Kraft will be in Taipei next Wednesday to Friday in the final hours of the Trump administration. She's scheduled to give a speech and meet with President Tsai Ing-wen and Foreign Minister Joseph Wu. One scholar says her visit is the Trump administration's way of highlighting Taiwan's importance to the incoming Biden administration. The United States mission to the United Nations has announced the dates of Kraft's visit. She'll be in Taiwan next Wednesday to Friday to reinforce the U.S. government's strong and ongoing support for Taiwan's international space. On Thursday, Kraft will visit the foreign ministry as well as its Institute of Diplomacy and International Affairs. She'll deliver remarks on Taiwan's outstanding contribution to the international community and the importance of Taiwan's expanded participation in international organizations. According to MOFA, Kraft will lead a delegation to call on President Tsai Ing-wen and Foreign Minister Joseph Wu. Ambassador Kraft has always supported Taiwan. She's praised Taiwan as a force for good. So with regard to her impending visit, we want to express our sincere welcome. This is the first time since our country withdrew from the UN in 1971 that a sitting American ambassador to the UN will be here to visit. It symbolizes the continual improvement of the Taiwan-U.S. relationship. For some time, a handful of anti-China politicians within the Trump administration have been staging a show of madness as their days at the reign are numbered, stopping at nothing to deliberately sabotage China-U.S. relations for selfish political interests. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo wrote on Twitter, We've stood by our friends in Taiwan. Over the past three years, the Trump administration authorized more than $15 billion in arms sales to Taiwan. The Obama administration? $14 billion in sales over eight years. With 13 days left in the Oval Office, the U.S. president is still plowing forward with his China policy. The Trump administration is actually reminding the Biden administration of the importance of Taiwan's relations with the U.S. and of Taiwan's importance in Asia. He's setting a stage for the Biden administration. In the future, when Taiwan comes up in China-U.S. relations, this will be the bottom line. Congress has officially certified Biden's election victory. And with that, the presidential office issued a press release congratulating Biden and Kamala Harris. The statement expressed sincere thanks to the Trump administration for advancing Taiwan-U.S. relations and its wide-ranging assistance to Taiwan. It said Taiwan, on the basis of a strong foundation, would continue to enhance cooperation with the incoming administration to promote the well-being of people in both countries and maintain regional peace, stability, prosperity and development. The TIEX extended its recent gains on Friday, soaring nearly 250 points to set a new record high of 15,463 points. The rally was led by transport, gas and tech stocks, with chipmaker TSMC closing at a historic 580 NT a share. The market has flown high the past few weeks, and analysts still see potential for upside. But David Chu, chairman of Huanan Securities, has a word of caution. He said that because recent growth is tied to a small number of stocks, the market is inherently unstable and investors should tread with caution. 
The new power party is pushing a bill that will strengthen Taiwan's humanitarian assistance to Hong Kong refugees. In a press conference on Friday, NPP lawmakers condemned this week's mass arrest of 53 activists and politicians in Hong Kong. They're calling for the urgent review of their draft amendment, which would allow more pro-democracy Hong Kongers to seek refuge in Taiwan. In the wake of China's crackdown on 54 Hong Kongers, activists held a press conference to declare support for those detained. Nathan Law, a former member of the Hong Kong parliament, dialed in from abroad. He compared the Hong Kong raids to the Kaohsiung incident of 1979. Many people are calling it the Hong Kong version of the Kaohsiung incident. What is surprising is the number of arrests and the scope of the crackdown, which went beyond our imagination. The crime of subverting state power carries a maximum sentence of life imprisonment. They feel that anybody who participated in the primaries can be suspected of subverting state power. This is very absurd reasoning. Hong Kongers who ran in last year's pro-democracy primaries now face allegations of subversion. With the situation fast deteriorating, a third wave of arrests could be on the horizon. A Taiwan NGO has proposed a draft amendment that calls on the executive UN to report on the Hong Kong situation each year. Speaking at the press conference, Taiwan lawmaker Freddie Lim said Asian countries should stand together to counter Beijing. The hope is for a country in Asia to be willing to stand up and promote this legislation. When more and more countries in Asia are willing to promote legislation, there will be a greater force with which to block and put pressure on China's dictatorship. Meanwhile, the new power party also spoke out in support of Hong Kong. It proposed a draft amendment to Article 18 of the regulations on Hong Kong and Macau. If passed, the amendment would bolster support for Hong Kong refugees. During our cross-party negotiations in the afternoon, we hope to place this order of business on the agenda for next week's extraordinary session so that it can be deliberated upon, because truth be told, this is an extremely urgent issue. But at present, there's no consensus in the legislature on relief for Hong Kong. Chances are slim that the draft will be placed on the agenda for next week. Taiwan has reported three new imported cases of COVID-19, including its first known case from Nigeria. The patient from Nigeria had flown in on a medical charter flight to be treated for pneumonia, but it turned out that he had COVID. Case number 824 is a Taiwanese man in his 70s who does business in Nigeria. On December 24th last year, he developed a fever, difficulty breathing and fatigue. On December 27th, his condition worsened and he sought treatment at a Nigerian hospital and was diagnosed with pneumonia. He was tested for COVID-19 twice and tested negative both times. Due to a need to return to Taiwan for treatment, he applied for an emergency medical charter flight and his application was approved. He arrived in Taiwan on January 5th. Another case announced Friday is an Egyptian girl whose parents work in Taiwan. She arrived with three family members who are still waiting for their COVID test results. The girl has shown no symptoms of the disease so far. International travels in Taiwan are required to do 14 days of quarantine followed by seven days of self-health management. Ahead of the Lunar New Year, the Epidemic Command Center has clarified the rules for people undergoing the second part, the self-health management. During the seven-day period, individuals are asked to refrain from entering public places. 
Officials said this means no KTV singing and no family dinners at restaurants over the Lunar New Year holiday. For some families, gathering at a restaurant on Lunar New Year's Eve is a treasured tradition. But this year, some will have to skip it due to the pandemic. The CECC has banned anyone undergoing self-health management from singing at KTVs, eating at Weiya banquets, and joining restaurant gatherings on New Year's Eve. Violators can be fined up to 300,000 NT. Our advice is that if you know that your friend is undergoing self-health management, urge your friend not to violate the rules. As for punishing violators, you can report them to your local government. In 99% of novel coronavirus cases, the incubation period is within 14 days. But in 1% of cases, the person remains contagious after 14 days because their immune response is weaker or they have a more severe case or they are a little older. But the virus could still be contagious after the standard 9 or 10 days. The policy could put a crimp in many travelers' plans. To be able to attend the restaurant dinner, international arrivals must land by January 20th at the latest, instead of the previous deadline of January 27th. Not only will they have to rearrange their flight, they'll also have to fight for a room in a quarantine hotel. Now, the situation is that if we want to come back earlier, we can't because we can't book a quarantine hotel. If we can't book a hotel, we are not allowed to come back. It's miserable not being able to go home. It's been a long, long time since I've been home. Does it have to be made so difficult? Each year, more than 2 million Taiwan nationals fly in for the Lunar New Year. The CECC opened up 2,000 quarantine rooms on Friday and plans to add another 10,000 by the end of the month. But even after factoring in all 16,000 quarantine hotel rooms in Taiwan, there's only enough capacity for 28,000 arrivals. With rooms in short supply, the coming influx of travelers is proving a headache for the CECC. The cold snap continues. People braved single-digit temperatures in most parts of Taiwan on Friday. Mountains in Yilan, Taoyuan, Taipei, and even as far south as Nanto got their first snowfall of the season. Excited tourists went up to the major mountaintops to get up close and personal with the first snow. Flurries abound as the cold air chills to the bone. At Yilan's Taiping Mountain, snow is falling all around. Cheered on by onlookers, one man hops on a bicycle shirtless and rides in circles. His body reddened by the cold, nothing can stop his excitement. In a video captured by a drone, the roofs of cabins appear as if covered in a layer of sugar. Along with the clouds and mist in the sky, the scene is like that of a dream. At its deepest point, the snowfall here has reached 5 centimeters. At Elan's Nanshan Elementary School, the students are having a blast playing in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> this cold front has brought Taoyuan's La La Mountain in Taipei's Yangming Shan their first snowfalls of the season. <laughs> Visitors arrived dressed to the brim in their winter clothes. At Yangming Shan, the snowfall began at 1 a.m., and over 100 cars crowded into Ardziping outdoor parking lot. <laughs> Meanwhile, at Lala Mountain, the wooden pathways have all frozen over. Snow is blowing all around, and the visitor center is covered in a layer of snow. At this indigenous village in the mountains of Xinju, it is a similar scene. <laughs> North of Taichung, at altitudes above 3,000 meters above sea level, the snow is formidable. 
At Nantou's Hehuan Shan, the snowfall began in the early morning. The road from Kunyang to Songshue Lodge was enveloped in white. Farther north, Miaoli's Xueba National Park is also awash with the bright white of fresh snow. The Central Weather Bureau forecasts drier cold weather for Saturday, but the humidity will be back on Sunday. Those who missed out on the first snowfall will have a second chance to take it all in. In the north, there will be a higher chance of snow. In the mountains in the central region, snowfall will depend on how moisture passes through cold regions. So far, in the region from the northern part of Taoyuan to the northeastern area of the island, it has been relatively humid, which has meant greater chance for snow. The CWB says the cold weather will stick around until at least Wednesday of next week. Those heading outdoors in the days before then are urged to dress warm. Now, there's a group of people who especially love snow, and that is skiers and snowboarders. But this year, an overseas ski vacation is off the table due to COVID. An indoor ski center in Taipei's Neihu hopes to be the next best thing. With a state-of-the-art treadmill, lessons for beginners, and an on-site restaurant, the attraction offers some alpine fun right in the city. The coach helps me put on protective gear, including knee pads, elbow pads, wrist pads, and a helmet. After lacing up my boots, I head on to the slope. We're currently at an indoor ski center. I'm all armed up and ready to ski. This is no ordinary slope, but rather a treadmill ski machine. A conveyor belt on the treadmill is covered with an artificial ski carpet. For the first exercise, the coach asked me to practice standing and balancing by holding the bar in front of me. Even the seemingly simple task was difficult because my foot was tied to the skis. Then the coach adjusts the speed to about 3.8 kilometers per hour. With the help of the coach, I glide up and down the slopes. The fastest speed that the treadmill machine can reach is 35 kilometers per hour. It can be adjusted to the desired angle and speed, which makes the machine a good way to train both beginners and experienced skiers. The coach says the synthetic ski grass provides an experience similar to skiing in snow. The speed of the machine can reach 35 kilometers, so it will feel pretty similar to skiing in real life. You can also adjust the movement so that it's more difficult than actual skiing at a real resort. If an error is made, that will be clearly displayed on the machine screen. So I think this is good for people who want to correct their posture. Beginners who learn here will have no problem when they hit the real slopes. The ski center in Neihu was established in November 2019 by a group of ski lovers. They hope to give people living in Taiwan a way to learn how to ski or snowboard or to polish their skills. They also opened a restaurant next to the indoor slopes. I have skied a few times before. Since last year, we haven't been able to go abroad, so this is a good opportunity to brush up on some basic skills. Once I'm done practicing here, I can ski overseas without having to adapt. I can go straight to the slopes. The experience is fairly similar, although the slopes here are harder. When skiing on snow, if your posture is not correct, you may still be able to strike a balance. But the slope here is much less forgiving, so if your movements are incorrect, that will become clear very quickly. This is my first time skiing, and it's been 20 minutes, so let's take a look at the progress so far. 
At the end of my 15-minute lesson, I learned basic brake techniques and could make my way down the slope. Not bad for a first try. For budding enthusiasts like me, this slope offers a taste of a winter sport in a subtropical city. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Zhong Nengming in Taipei. Taiwan's passport is about to get a new look. The new version of the passport cover will be issued starting next week. It features a much more prominent title, Taiwan, with the words Republic of China reduced in size. Officials say they expect many citizens to apply for the new passport when the pandemic is passed. In less than a week, the old passport will be consigned to history as the new version comes in next Monday. These New Year's freebies mark the occasion, a luggage tag and a spring couplet that seems to be a traditional blessing for prosperity, but turned upside down also says pursue freedom and democracy. All citizens can apply to have their passport replaced, no matter when its expiry date is or whether they are currently at home or abroad. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs has sent out samples and requested our offices abroad to inform other governments of the change and ask them to grant holders of the new passport convenient passage. The new passport cover has the English words Republic of China much smaller than before and circling the national emblem. In contrast, the word Taiwan has gotten larger. The new passport costs the same as before, 1,300 NT. Because of the pandemic, there were few applications for new passports in 2020. Officials expect a wave of applications for the new version. We only issued 370,000 passports in 2020. Previously, we would issue around 1.7 million every year. That means there are over 1.3 million citizens whose passports have expired or have less than a year until expiry, who have not yet applied for a new one. The news brings up comparisons to early last year. Some Taiwanese abroad were unhappy to be mistaken for Chinese citizens when the COVID-19 pandemic began. The shrinking of the words Republic of China on passports might be an effective way to reduce misunderstanding and raise Taiwan's international profile. Taipei residents, if you're eager for an idyllic escape, look no further than Zhongshan District. Over the next few days, a sea of cosmos, zinnias and purple mountain grass will be in full bloom at the Dajia Riverside Park near Daji Bridge. We're currently at Dajia Riverside Park. The Floral Sea is 5,139 square meters this year, which is equivalent to about 12 basketball courts. At Dajia Riverside Park, flowers are in full bloom. The Floral Sea expands over 5,139 square meters. There are sulfur cosmos, common zinnias, and purple fountain grass. It's a perfect spot for a relaxing afternoon stroll. Looking at beautiful things often can be a mood booster. It's such a great open space here. People these days are under so much pressure. This is a very good space for relaxing. At the park, you can hop on a zip line, which affords a better view of the flowers and the river. This is my first time here. It's a very fresh experience. We don't have so many amusement facilities over in the countryside. I'm from Nanto. Located within walking distance of the Yuensan MRT station, the Dajia Riverside Park's floral sea is in full bloom until mid-January 2021. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Shen Jianhong in Taipei.